And the Lord be with every one of you. And I want to share with you from Psalm number 6. Uh, when I say that, um, Psalm number 6 is going to be a jumping off point, And certainly I emphasize that. It's a jumping off point to something that spans the entire scripture. Okay, David is praying, and it's that verse 4 that says the words that bring this all together. Return, O Lord, rescue my soul, save me because of your loving kindness. And it's that phrase that I want to at least use to look at everything I want to say. Save me because of your loving kindness. And we have seen uh, that loving kindness is the limitless covenant love of God that he is and is toward us everyone. Well, there's something else here then. It says, save me because of your loving kindness. And so because of this limitless, this covenant love that will never leave us or forsake us, because of that, David said, save me. And it's that word that I want to go to today that that save me save me it's this word salvation and it's the word that arises from the love of God and so you could say limitless love of God gives rise to and is the occasion for the limitless salvation of God that is revealed in our lives now Immediately, we, we go to this word save or salvation. It's a tragedy, but we have basically lost the word. And I mean lost the word. It is used all through the scripture in its various forms, save or salvation being the major words that we're aware of, but we'll see in a moment that it comes out in many other words too. But we, we have lost it. I'll tell you why we've lost it. We've lost it because we have, number one, placed the word as a single event in life. And so you probably have been asked, are you saved? And that question is asking whether there has been a time, a moment in my life when I accepted that Jesus Christ is Lord God and Savior. And that event is called getting saved. Um, it, there's a reason for that. It, uh, it's not the prime word that I would use, saved. Um, but, okay, I know what people are talking about. But to say that it is a single event that we call getting saved has stolen from us all the other meanings and activities of that word in our lives tragedy. But you see, when people, usually the people who would ask that question, when they say saved, 
Were you saved? Have you been saved? Press them a little bit and you will find that what they mean by that word is saved in a future sense. At some time after you're dead, you will be saved from hell and saved to eternal life. And so it's an event in the past and it applies to something after death. No wonder our churches are empty. But you've got to die to get any of this. This is disgusting. No, this word saved and salvation is not a single event in life. Uh, it, It, in fact, describes the adventure of living in Christ Jesus. And it certainly is not to do with after death. It's got its roots right in my time-space existence here and now. So you see what I mean by saying we've lost the word. Because when people say the word saved, they think of that past event. And then they leap off into after death for what it means. No, can can I ask you, please, just erase from your mind these ideas attached to the word, and let's look at what the Bible actually teaches about this word salvation. I I, I might say right from the get-go, because I'll be referring to it more than once, that the word in the Old Testament Hebrew language and in the New Testament Greek language, the word Old and New Testament applies all through one's life and to every situation of life, whether it be in my deepest spirit whether it be a matter of my mind or my emotions, whether it is a matter of my physical body or the situation of life that I find myself in, this word salvation is in Scripture applied to the total person. And the meaning of the word applies to every part of my humanity. You, you could say, if you're familiar with the word, it's a holistic word. I, I, I can't say this just applies to my spirit. Uh, in the invisible essential self, yes, it does apply that for sure, but not only so. It applies to my mind to the point where in the New Testament uh, we, we read of the helmet of salvation, that which covers my mind and guards my mind. It applies to my emotions for peace and joy of the Lord are connected with salvation and very much so connected to the healing of our physical bodies. You're going to see it's the same word in the languages. And so he covers every, everything. Anything that we might call a crisis in life, then uh, it, it, it applies This word is used in the scripture to speak of God's intervention, his salvation. So, in the Old Testament, let me give you the Hebrew words. I don't often do this, um, but it's important at this time. The Hebrew words 
uh, there, there are actually a number of them that, um, that they, they just appear once or there. But the two major words in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament for save or salvation is yasa, Y-A-S-A, and the other one is Yeshua, Y-A-S-U-S-H-U-A, Yeshua, Yasa and Yeshua. And the Hebrew people, when they spoke and used language, it was uh, always language that was picture, picturesque. It, it was not abstract thinking. It was, it was very, it gave a picture. And this word, Yasa or Yeshua, it, it, it brought to them the mind of enlargement. It, it, it meant I'm no longer restricted and, and held and boxed in. I am enlarged. It means that space has been provided to me. And, I, and I'm no longer held captive to the walls that once held me. And so it also meant the removal of everything that restricts. I say that's the, the actual word in terms of what the people thought when they used it. And so I say it, it covers with, with that in mind. In the Old Testament, with what I've just said in mind, it covers everything from a daily crisis. Uh, look, let, let me give you from Psalm number um, 6, I believe it is. Psalm number 6. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's where our text began. It's Psalm number 34, and in Psalm number 34 and verse 6, it says, This poor man cried. Well, you could go even further back. Verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me, and I might say that's an associate word of salvation, delivered me from all my fears. It says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Rescue, deliver, and of course, saved. It's pretty much the same word. It's all in the same family. And it says, simply, all my fears and all my troubles... And so we've, we've got to get used to this idea. His salvation comes when, when trouble, when fear, when threat, when what humans would do to me, when life is serving up to me uh, walls that are getting tighter and tighter, and I find myself to be under the tyranny of a situation that I find myself in, which applies to everything that I call life. My troubles, my fears. This poor man cried, the Lord saved him out of the whole jolly lot. That, that, that's what it's saying, the daily crisis. But then healing is in the word, healing from all sickness. It's part of this word, salvation. And so deliverance from enemies, whatever they be, and it can get as big as crossing the Red Sea, 
Remember, as they stand before the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is about to consume them on their heels, the word of the Lord was, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So on the one hand, you have all my fears. Please let this sink in. I'm not preaching. I'm sharing my heart with you. Your fears, whatever those fears are, and the pressures of life that would hem you in, which is a, an idea in the Old Testament of anxiety. And, and, that, that, and then all the way through to the Red Sea being opened and walking across the bed of the sea dry foot. That's limitless, I would say, limitless from, from my daily fears that encompass all the things that would make you anxious all the way through to opening the Red Sea it comes under this word salvation in the Old Testament. So I say everything that restricts you, everything that holds you in, hems you in, holds you captive, everything that would deny you full experience of covenant life, all of that comes under this word salvation. It's linked uh, with with uh, words in the Old Testament, which um, I'll give them to you. Uh, with God, all things are possible. Um, it is a marvelous thing. It is a wonderful thing. Wonderful, marvelous are both words that describe beyond the capability of mankind but well inside the capability of God. He is therefore the one with whom nothing is impossible. Okay, those ideas run all through the scripture, but they're to do with salvation because, you see, salvation is God acting when humankind has come to the end of the rope. That is, when things are impossible to me, I do not know where to turn if there was anywhere to turn. I've, I've come to a dead end. I've got nowhere to go and I've got no answer to the situation. My word as a human is impossible. And salvation is when God steps in and said, I handle this as he did at the Red Sea and opened it. Or you could check in Second Chronicles in chapter 20, and I believe 17, he says, this was Jehoshaphat. Do you remember that fellow? Jehoshaphat, the king, and when he's got hardly anybody with him to protect the country and the people, and all his enemies have joined forces and march on him, they've got hours to live. And he prays this great prayer of 1, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And then the Lord speaks in verse 17. He says, you shall not need to fight in this battle. In fact, uh, Jehoshaphat had ended his prayer by saying, we do not know what to do. 
but our eyes are upon you, hopeless, helpless. And the Lord says, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Fear not, nor be dismayed. And so on. That, that's salvation. So when I've reached the end of my rope, I discover that it's the beginning of God's adventure. In fact, from the very opening pages of the scripture, he reveals himself as Savior. That is the one that comes when we're totally helpless, when we've got nowhere to turn, when we are threatened with threats we cannot answer, and he deals with that. That is, he removes what is restricting us from the fullness of life as he planned it. And I say that's from the very first verses. That's when we're still getting to know who this God is in Genesis 3, when mankind has put himself into the hands of the tyrant Satan the Lord says that he will provide the champion who will crush the head of the serpent. And if the head of the serpent is crushed, then mankind is set free, delivered, saved. He will save us from all that would keep us from enjoying his fullness and his purpose. And let me say this again, save us, not in some invisible, ghostly, floating out there kind of way, but save us from our innermost being to our outermost, right through to everything we touch. That, that's this salvation. And I say this because we've got to unthink some of the lies that have been put into us, that this salvation is only to do with the deep, invisible part of me and, and deals with uh, sin being forgiven. It, it deals with that for sure, but it, it's, it's far beyond that. My, my total person comes under the meaning of this word. God, by his very nature, is Savior. He comes to us and his will, his determination, his delight is to save us. In fact, there's a word that if you are part of a liturgical church, you will uh, say this word uh, at least once a week. Um, but it, it, it comes from Palm Sunday when they, they were waving their palm trees. And do you remember what they said? They said, Hosanna, Hosanna to, to the son of David. And the word Hosanna is an untranslated form of this word uh, salvation in, in the Hebrew language. Um, that they were saying salvation, this person, he brings salvation, he brings God's salvation. This is who he is. Okay, but as they spoke of salvation in the Old Testament, it was with a forward look, for they knew that everything that the word salvation promised, anticipated, had not yet come. And so they waited. And as you come into the New Testament, the word salvation 
is now, of course, being spoken in the Greek language. And the Greek for the word salvation is, or save, is sozo, S-O-Z-O. And, of course, it's the same word, but with the Greek language, it takes on a more uh, abstract and also it goes in in, uh, a a much more applicable meaning. And so it, it adds to the Old Testament meaning. It means to release someone. It means to release them into complete and total wholeness. And therefore, specifically means healing of your innermost being and healing of your physical body. It also meant to be delivered from anything or any person that held you, chained you, restricted you, imprisoned you. And therefore, again, I say, forgive me, but I know where the mind of many thousands of people is. This applies to our innermost spirit, but it applies to our mind and our emotions. It applies to our physical cells of our body, our bones, our ligaments, our muscles, our blood vessels, our heart, our lungs, our gallbladder, our spleen, our liver. Yeah, salvation is a word that encompasses all of that. Saved. Saved means from the darkness of the lie to the light of God and his truth. It means saved from the death of being totally aware only of the darkness and not of the God who is life. Saved from death to life, God life saved from sickness and disease to health, saved from bondage to liberty. Interestingly, although it's, it's a different word, but simply as a, a sidebar, the word forgiveness, forgiveness of sin, in the New Testament that that word in the original language means to release and send away. It ties in very much so. Um, saved, forgiven, they, they all fit together. But here, if you didn't realize it already, they shall call his name Jesus because he shall save the people from their sins. You see, the word Jesus is the anglicized um, from the Hebrew Yeshua. And you might wonder how that happened. Uh, Well, because as with many languages, the Y in a language, the, the letter Y and the letter J and the letter H, they get all mixed up together. And if you know other languages, you know how true that is. And, and so Yahshua got switched in the European languages to the J of Jesus. 
and in the Latin languages of today, uh, even that got changed to an H. Uh, <laughs> and, and so just believe me, the name Jesus in its original Hebrew is Yeshua. And I just got through telling you that in the Old Testament, the word for salvation, Yeshua, do, do, you, do you realize you shall call his name Yeshua? Salvation. Because he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, his name, name is salvation. Do, do you understand this? Jesus, the name Jesus is the Hebrew word Yeshua. Jesus means salvation. Salvation is no longer a word. Salvation became flesh and lived among us. This is who he is. And to the shepherds, that night in which Jesus was born, the angel said unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Yeshua, who is Christ Messiah, the Lord. Remember that. And then in the temple, as they take the baby, and, and, and Mary and Joseph have the baby there in the temple court, and old Simeon comes. Do you remember him? And he takes the baby and says, Now let your servant depart in peace. I'm ready to die. He said, Mine eyes have seen your salvation. I've seen your Yeshua in this little baby in my arms. And then as you go into the Gospels, oh, I can, get, I can get excited to the depth of my being and I can get angry to start doing spiritual warfare here because scattered through the Gospels, you have the word saved. You have the word healed. Actually, over and over and over again, the word healed and also delivered, sometimes when it speaks of demonized people. And do you realize that in the original language in which the Gospels were written, it's the same word, sozo. For Jesus to save is for Jesus to physically heal and is for Jesus to deliver people from demonic tyranny it says in our scripture I, I wish we had two or three hours to talk here you go through the gospels and it will say your faith has saved you when the person has just been healed or what did the woman say as she pushed her way through the crowd if I may touch the, only touch the hem of his garment I shall be made whole your faith has saved you in Greek, sozo. But it's talking about person being healed. If I can only touch, I shall be made whole in the Greek, sozo. To the New Testament, there was no difference between his saving us in our essential being 
and healing our bodies which is being saved in a physical way or being delivered from the demonic which is being saved in a deliverance sense. And so, right there, that could keep you awake for a few nights as you think about that. Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save. I have come to seek and to sozo. I've come to yasa. I, I, Yeshua, have come to sozo. I mean, you keep... Jesus, who is salvation, has come to save that which is lost and goes on to tell the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, each one to be saved by the shepherd, saved by the woman, saved by the father. That's what it is. And so the final definition of what salvation is, is the person of Jesus who went through death, resurrection, and ascension, and he now is the authority and the power to bring about salvation, that which is impossible to mankind, and to bring about salvation in every area and expression of what it means for me to be a human. And that's why in the earliest records of the church um, in, in the Acts of the Apostles it, it, it always speaks of salvation as being in the name of Jesus and remember uh, name to, uh, to these people of the Bible uh, name was the, the what can I say the doorway, the window into who you really are it was not just some sound by which to call you. It, it, it was a revelation of who you were. And so, it, it, and I think the, the very best example is right there in, in Acts chapter 3. You can't get much earlier than that, where you remember the, the beggar at the gate beautiful, and he's sitting there crippled, I never walked, and he he has his hand out and asking for, uh, you know, give me a dime sort of thing. He, he's, he's got his cup there, supported by the pittances that people threw in his cup. And, and as the Peter and John are passing through, you remember the story, and, and, and Peter looks at him and he says, silver and gold I don't have any of that man but he said such as I have I am giving it to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene rise up and walk and immediately the man's legs and ankle bones and actually we would know uh, even the, the equilibrium of his head uh, I mean he never stood like this and he leaps up and he begins to run and leap and dance and, and of course they're very upset about that religion always is upset when there is living proof that God is alive and so it was in chapter 4 that Peter addresses the leaders of religion 
as to what has happened. And he says in verse 10 of chapter 4, Let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Messiah, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Sozo. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That covers everything. This man upon whom there has been performed this incredible miracle and beyond that to my salvation out of the clutches of the lie, out of the darkness, out of death, into light and life and truth and fellowship with God the Father, all under one heading, sozo, salvation, saved and saved in the name or in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ the Lord. This this is who God is. Come on, when we say God loves you, he includes your big toe. When he loves you, it includes your spine. When he loves you, it includes all your life at work and at home. It includes the buying of food and clothes and paying of bills. God loves you, not a bit of you. God loves you from your innermost being to your outermost being. And he is the Savior. That is, he is the one who would step into your life and be known as the wonderful, the marvelous, the God with whom nothing is impossible. And your life, your body, your mind, your emotions, as well as your innermost being, all give glory to him whose name is Savior. That, that, that's what I mean. And so, if that's who he is and that's what he does, what is our response? And this is a very serious question. What is our response? It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace or by sheer gift you have been saved through faith. That not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. So, all is of God. Then what is, how do I, if it's all of God, I can't do anything to earn it. It's not by my works. No, says the scripture, it's by faith. Now, can I quickly say, what is faith? And, of course, we have in various times and places, we've addressed this. But could I just give you, the sim- I think, the simplest understanding of faith? Faith, it's part of being a human. Everything we do is by faith. I, I speak into this microphone in faith 
that uh, it's going to communicate with you, uh, faith. Let, let me give you a few words. Faith means something is available. Something is there. It exists. It's available and available to me. Number two, it means I want that. I desire that which is available to me. And if it is available and I desire that, then I take it. And in taking it, it becomes mine and part of my life. And I actually one with it in many respects. And that's simple faith. I'm sitting on this chair right now, having gone through that process without hardly thinking about it. The chair was available. It was here. And in order to be able to do what I'm doing right now to the best effect, I, I, I wanted to sit down and do it. And, and so, seeing as it was an available chair and I wanted and I, I actually needed it, then I took it and I abandoned my weight to it. And right now, I am one with the chair. That's ordinary, everyday faith. But now look at it in terms of what we're now looking at. The availability. That this is not an empty exercise. This could either make you very angry or, or, or could change your life forever. Available. We, we have, and I think I, I have explained to you what salvation is, and I think I have shown you that Jesus... The very name Yeshua, Jesus, is total, my total, total humanity. Jesus is total salvation. And he has given himself to us, and he has said to all, come to me, all. So, salvation in all aspects is completely available for all persons. Now, I, I trust that you said amen, yes, to that. But you see, the fact is, and this is a horrible fact, this is, but there has come into the church, and I don't mean by the back door, it marched in through the front door, a, a teaching that has pretty much taken over most of the churches. It's been around for a few hundred years. That denies what I have just said. In fact, I, no, I'm not sure, according to that teaching, I'm not sure that Jesus is totally available as Savior, in all aspects, to my total person, I'm not sure at all. So, right there, faith is stymied, because if I'm not sure... You see, that permeates religion. On more fronts than this, but really, this is where the battle is joined. 
You, you, you hear people, and when they pray, the very words they use suggest, I don't have a hope that this is going to be answered. I'm just going through a religious words, and I, I, might, I might, you know, hit the divine lottery and, and get the million dollar, but uh, there's no sense, no sense that Jesus in his fullness as Savior to give us salvation to every area of our life, there's no sense that he is totally available. We're not sure permeates religion. And it's a poison gas that has gotten into the heads of people to the point where they do not realize what they are not believing. So, so what, what do people believe about this? They believe that there's a mysterious will of God. Very mysterious. Don't have a clue what it's about. It's very mysterious. Got to seek the will of God. But it... it see, that contradicts. Bam! Contradicts. Smack in the face contradicts that Jesus is the fullest, final expression of the will of the Father. No, 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 says this teaching. No, 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 we're, we're not sure. See, we're, we're, some might even say they're not sure that God would even save you. I mean, save you in the sense of taking your sin. They're not sure that Jesus even died for you. Not sure. Died for some. Died for this elite group. But I'm not sure about you. But when it comes to salvation for my mind, salvation for my emotions, salvation for my body, salvation for the crises that happen in my little domestic circle, oh, no. There's no, no assurance at all. I mean, I, I, years, decades ago, I was in hospital. Why, back in the 60s. And this poor chap, I say poor chap, he really was to be pitied. He was the chaplain. And he came in and he, he didn't know what to say to me. Uh, and he actually kicked my bed in his embarrassment. And then he said this thing that he called a prayer in which the thing was pepper and salted with, if it be your will, but if not. And he didn't have a clue what God wanted, but was pretty certain it wasn't what I wanted. Uh, the church today looks at sickness as if it, it's a blessing from God that God has sent these things to somehow bless us. I've never understood it. The whole thing is illogical and ridiculous. I can smell the stench of where it comes from. God is love and his salvation is his action of love to deliver us, to make us totally whole in every part of our experience. 
but as this idea that maybe you see I, I, I can pray for your situation but you see it might be the will of God that you're here he, he might be getting glory out of the fact your life is falling apart he, he just might have given you this terrible sickness because he, he loves you so much you see of course, those same people who make God into the one who does Satan's work, they strangely will go to the doctor to get the best medicine to get them out of the will of God. I, I don't understand it. Or they'll go to any attorney or counselor to try and get out of what they would never pray God would get them out of. It's also stupid. And so when it comes to, is salvation available in your house this day? Salvation from the problem you are now facing. Salvation from the sickness you now face. Salvation from the trial, the temptation. There's, believe it or not, many people are not sure. And so there's a maybe. There's, I, I saw a sign a few days days ago it says try Jesus you don't try Jesus he's not up for grabs he's not he's not there to see if it works see if you like him Jesus is God Lord of all Savior Messiah who says to all with authority and command come to me and I will give you rest he's available and that availability rests on the faithfulness of God. God the Father who wills to save you to himself. God the Son who bears the name Yeshua salvation. Who carried that salvation through death to the other side and brought you out. God Holy Spirit who comes and applies that salvation to our life here, now, while the clock is ticking in your living room. Anyway, available. I, I pray the Holy Spirit uses some of these words to let it be known to your heart that salvation in the triune name, in the person of Jesus... He is available now. And do you see what I mean? Not as an event in the past when you got saved, but rather in all of my Christian life, I am meeting with this God who is Savior, who's opening the Red Sea, who is fighting my enemies, who is delivering me, who is the strength causes me to live an abundance of life and be seated in heavenly places in Christ. The God who heals my sick body, or better yet, keeps me in complete health and wholeness. But number two of faith, as I said, is the desire. I want that. I need that. It arises from a sense of need. I want. I must have. It's not looking at this or 
Faith is not where we'll do that another day. It's, it's not saying, wouldn't that be nice if, no, faith has an urgency. Faith speaks with passion. I must have that. Once you recognize that Jesus Christ is our salvation in the totality of our humanity, and I'm in a situation now where I'm being restricted, hemmed in, oppressed, hurt, pained, I have grief, I have sorrow, whatever. Jesus, Savior, then I say, I must have that. I must have that. That's when faith takes. The gift, the gift is, is. Has your name on the gift? Then take it. And you take it with words that express your heart. I take you, Lord Jesus, to be fill in the blank that's what David did in the Old Testament the Lord is he said the Lord is that is the totality of God is but he is for the totality of my need and so he said the Lord is my salvation and I take him it helps sometimes to do a mark in the sand, to say at this day, this date, this time on the clock, I take you, Lord Jesus, as the one who is the life of this area of my life that now is threatened, this area of my body, this area of my innermost being, this area of my relationships, I take you and I give praise. But you see, if we haven't got over that available bit yet, then we're very hesitant to do this. We're even hesitant to use words like, I must have. We're very hesitant. We're, come on. We're friends. Let, let, let's face this. That, that if we're not sure about the availability, the very idea of taking him, wanting him in this moment, we hesitate. If we had another hour, we would read the, uh, well, the last two chapters of Deuteronomy, the first chapter of Joshua, where, where the Lord lays it down, Moses is going, but Joshua would take his place. And Joshua is the one who is given the promises of the covenant. Go and now, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Take the people into the land. And he is told, having been told to do that, the Lord says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. Do not be timid. Do not hesitate. Because you see, if I'm not sure, is Jesus really available? Is salvation really for the totality of my existence? Every day of my life, if necessary? Is that, can I be sure about that? Is he available? If I'm not sure, 
then I hesitate. And that's when you come up with all those religious prayers that wander all over creation and around the bush and never get to the point because we're religiously hesitating. We're really, we're, we're afraid we're going to be disappointed. We're afraid God didn't really mean this. He's only Savior in that sense to a, an elite few. And we come up with those words, I'm not worthy, which means I've never even understood what the cross means. We're timid. We hold back. The promises of God are for somebody else, some other time, when I've got my act together. And so we don't take. Look, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6, now is the day of salvation. And as you live in the now, thank God you were saved. I know what you mean, I were saved. Okay. But I am being saved sometimes. It seems every hour this Savior steps in the God who is and does the impossible. Now, now is the day. Repent. And the word repent, as we've said before, means to rethink. It means to start thinking the thoughts of God about God and think the thoughts of God about you. And in that sense, you must renounce these religious lies that bind you hand and foot from standing in his salvation now. And of course, faith always leads to oneing with, becoming one with. The spirit actualizes. And that which you have taken is made a reality in your life, your innermost person to your outermost, from your innermost person right through to your daily work, whatever that is. The Spirit actualizes God's salvation. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we've limited that to one event in the past and pushed it off into the future. No, save that text in the light of what I've been trying to say in the last 45 minutes. Whosoever, yes, because available to all available to you as well as to me. So, okay, go back to what David said, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. My, my. David, don't you think you're going a bit far there? I mean, God is the God of all people. and Yes, he is. But because he is God unlimited then the only way I can comprehend that allness of God is that he is he's for me. God's salvation in Jesus brought into life by the Holy Spirit is for me and for you. My, the Lord is my salvation. Say that's Old Testament. Well, I'll try the new then. 
What about Philippians 2? Is it verse 12? Work out your own salvation. Or you could translate that as bring to full harvest and maturity your personally owned salvation. There it is. Whosoever totally available to all persons in every kind of need shall call, desire, want at the end of the rope to the God of the possible. The name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. God fully revealed in Jesus Christ as Savior. And says the scripture, you call, you shall be saved. And the shall is the shall of absolute assurance. You shall be saved. The manifestation in life is not always immediate. Any more than the moment a child is conceived in the womb... The mother may not be aware of that and certainly will not see that child for nine months. But from the moment of conception, you have a child who's made in the image of God in the womb of that mother. And the moment your heart calls, then salvation has begun to grow within you in terms of and applicable to the moment you're calling about. Well, well, this is the gospel, you see. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the Messiah. For this gospel, this body of truth, it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, there, there you have it. I'm, you can see I'm hesitating. I could go on, but um, I'll leave it at that. And now, may the blessing of this incredible God who is Savior, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may he bring this salvation in fullness into your life throughout all the days of your life. Amen.